Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone. It's Danny Prince here with the Hawks Insiders Player Review Pod post the phenomenal win against the Saints. The Hawks getting up late, 12-16-88 to the Saints, 12-6-78. And let, let me tell you, compared to last time we played the Saints under the roof of Marvel, this one feels a whole lot sweeter. Um, joining me today to get into the weeds on this one is Hawks in Insider's very own Andrew Weiss. Weissy, how you going, mate? Good. Good evening, Prinzi. I'll tell you what I'm most looking forward to tonight. It doesn't matter if I get to start or Daz gets to start. Either way, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. No issues with the Absolutely. order and which players we get. Well, you did slip me a 50 before we got on air to, to start, so we'll let you start tonight. Um, and you've given away our other co-host, which is fantastic, doing my job for me. Darren Levine, welcome to you. Hey, guys. Yeah, I think I'm not starting on Mitch Lewis again after giving him an 11 out of 10 to start things off last week. So um, we're going we're gonna to go back to normal ratings, even though it was a pretty pretty great win and we're all pretty up and about. And uh, we have had some feedback on our ratings over social media across the week and what our ratings should be for this game. So let's see if we take that advice on. Um, before we get into it, um, let's just uh, go through a little bit about the game. Firstly, um, gentlemen, how did we watch the game this week? Uh, see, were you there? Did you watch it from home? Um, what was your go? Yeah, it was there. It was up on the top level of um, the Southern train station side of the stadium, um, front view rows, uh, surrounded by surrounded by Saints supporters the whole the whole way through the couple of bays on either side. So um, that was a great way with great way to watch it we had a great view could watch it all unfold and was able to with a you know before the final siren watch a lot of people in red white and black walking out which was great um so i want your take really quickly on the eerie library type feeling that the game had in the first quarter because it was dead yeah, I think that, I mean, I feel like um, Saints supporters came to the game expecting to smash us. And I feel like there weren't as many Hawthorne supporters at the game because it was at Marvel and being an away game as well. So those things combined made it feel like a pretty low-key build-in um, but chalk and cheese versus the second half and particularly that last quarter, right? We might've had significantly less supporters there, but we were louder than, than the Saints fans throughout the whole game. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was a pretty low key building. So I, I would think that's probably, probably had a lot to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. And Daz, um, that last quarter was, Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, where did you get to witness it from? 
Well, I was just going to say, Prinzi, maybe it's a, it was a bit of a library-like atmosphere in the corporate box th- that you were watching from. Uh, <laughs> always a bit soulless in there, but some, some good uh, good crownies and some party pies, I'm sure, got you through that game. Let me tell you, uh, that box was not quiet. Let me tell you that. Um, look, it was the first time I've actually watched a football match in a corporate box. Um and huge shout out to uh, one of our Hawks Insiders listeners, James Dean from Open Corp, who um, hosted us through a friend of ours, um, actually another listener of the Hawks, Erin Marie and her husband, Joel, friend of mine, um, got us some tickets to that. So it was unreal and really good to sit with James and um, watch the footy, make a fool of myself, um, scream out the corporate box window, uh, all of the above. So look, it was it was a great experience. Um I'm more of a nosebleed seats kind of guy normally. So this was something very different, but um, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. And it's always good when the beers are free, right, Daz? Absolutely. Um, I actually watch this one at home. I'm one of those Hawk supporters that absolutely hates going to Marvel, especially to watch the Saints, which has been a bit of a bogey team for us over the past few years. And don't think I've ever, I can ever remember us playing well against the Saints at Marvel, even when we had some premiership players running around. So um, I watched this one from the, from the safety of the couch and um, yeah, I kind of wish I was there by the end of the game, but um, yeah, you guys were, were left there hold, holding the, the HI flag for us. Absolutely. Um, look, the Hawks simultaneously came from the clouds to win it, but at the same time, were the better side across the whole day. Um, you know, I think we said in our match recap, um, guys, that, that they just lacked a bit of polish across the board in the first couple of qu- first few quarters. Um, whether that was polish in, you know, the way that we delivered the ball or polish in the way that we lined up for goal, um, we let ourselves down with our execution. They dominated the Hawks, dominated the disposal count four twenty four to three fifty five. That's an absolute smashing. Um, we had less kicks, but far more handballs, uh, two, 210 to 224 for the Saints in kicks, 214 to 131 in handballs, um, dominated the inside 50s, 58 to 43, um, had a high disposal efficiency, which I found very interesting when I was doing my research, um, 79.5% for the game, which is 6% above our season average, which I think is really interesting. Um Efficiency inside 50 of 58.6%, which again, 10% above our 2023 average. Uh, we see your domain is the free kicks, 21 to 16 in favour of St Kilda. No surprises there, mate? No, and we were minus six in the second half. So um, it was infuriating at times. And again, like all of the stats that you just talked about, it, it's rare in a, in a period of the game, that second half, again, where you, you dominate but don't win the free kicks. You're, you're the first of the ball. Um, you are winning the contests, yet somehow the umpire is doing all they can to keep the others in the game. Um, and, yeah, there were some absolute stinkers, but at the end of the day, uh, it's not something we need to complain about, right? We will, but we don't need to. You're right. <laughs> um, uh, the Hawks actually lost the clearances in this one, Daz, which I, I found quite interesting. And that, that must have been a, a sort of middle period of the game 
um, situation because I felt like when the whips were cracking, we were, we were fairly dominant at times through the middle. So uh, lost the clearances 33 to 31, uh, lost the center clearances 12 to 8, uh, but won the stoppage clearances 23 to 21. And that was after winning the hitouts 42 to 18. So your quick take, quick takeaway on that does, how, how does that happen? Yeah, well, I mean, it didn't sort of feel that way. I felt like we were well on top in the in the middle of the ground, especially in the first two quarters. I think the, the third quarter, maybe they they got a bit more of the um, midfield sort of ascendancy there and clearances. But um, that that midfield unit that we're building is um, is really just improving week to week. They're learning to play together. They balance each other out so nicely. And yeah, huge credit to to the Ruck duo of Meek and Reeves. I think it's probably their best game that they've played together. I mean, they haven't had a lot of opportunities because one of them has always sort of gone off injured, uh, generally Reeves. And I thought Marshall's always hurt us in the past. And um, he was really he was really well contained and, 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 and well beaten at times. I think Reeves is just immense in the last quarter and we'll get to that in our ratings. But um. Yeah, that, that Ruck duo is, is really starting to gel. All right, let's get into the player ratings. That's what we're here for. That's what we should be doing straight off the bat. So let's go. Um, Andrew Weiss, Mitch Lewis, um, 10 disposals, seven kicks, three handballs, five marks. Uh, he had two tackles, kicked three goals, two, uh, four turnovers, seven score involvements, and one of his marks was contested. It's just great to have the big fella in the in the forward line, isn't it? Oh, it makes all the difference in the world. And you look at those numbers, and you know, compared to can, compared to his his six far um, previously, um, you, you go well. He's not necessarily in the votes, and he hasn't taken the game and absolutely dominated. But what he does for our forward line structure is immense. Um, Thirteen goals in five games so you know he's going to kick 40 goals for the year um one of the most important stats for him i think is we won the marks inside 50 18 to 10 that doesn't happen very often we talk about issues with our forward line marks inside 50 is a big issue and of those 18 he took four of them so obviously he's a target he's getting into the right positions but he's also holding on to them inside 50 and we saw with the first goal that he kicked from 50 on the boundary with the drop punt that he's good enough to kick them from anywhere so three goals um great output great leading great um great in the contest exactly what we need from our spearhead and as Daz you know we'll get into later on he 100% being there makes Cozzy a better footballer. There's no doubt about that, having him there as, as the central focal point. So I've given him a seven out of 10. Um, and yeah, oh, he's, I, I think we said in the match recap, recaps previously, he's the sort of guy you build a premiership around. So yeah, another good outing for Mitch. Absolutely. Number three is Jai Newcomb, who I personally, one of my favorites and thought he was incredible, uh, but I'm not giving the rating. Uh, 31 disposals, Daz, 17 and 14. He had four marks, two tackles. He kicked a behind. Um, he did have the seven turnovers, but he had eight score involvements. 
Um, he had a nice contested mark inside his four marks. He had nine clearances, three center clearances and six stoppage clearances. So he had three of our eight center clearances for the day, which I think that's a huge percentage. Um, if you, if you sort of factor it all in, he also had, um, seven inside fifties, uh, and he had 19 center bounce attendances. Daz, John Newcomb, John Newcomb's game. How did you see it? Yeah, it was, it was a pretty complete game from Jai. Um, he was extracting the footy. He was delivering great passes into the Ford 50. Um, that kick to handball ratio is in, in a great spot. 500 odd metres gained, you know, game high nine clearances. So very, very complete game from Jai. And he's actually a really good mark as well. He's really good overhead. Took a few contested marks. I think, took, sorry, one one contested mark for the game. Um, and and just continues on his merry way and uh, is just developing so well and, and kind of flying under the radar a bit again. I think um, you know Connor Nash and Will Day are getting a lot of getting a lot of attention in that midfield unit and Jai is just doing the business. So yeah, I'm going to give him a, a seven and a half. I thought he was terrific. Yeah, and I think in the lead up to uh, the mid season draft, it's nice to reflect on. The player that at this stage will probably go down as the best mid-season draft pickup to date, at least into the in this newest rejigged formation or um, form of the mid-season draft. Jai Newcomb's putting up numbers that no other mid-season draft player has put up or does put up. So um, in I history, I think he will go down in as history. the greatest in history. Mid-season draft pick words. in history. Yeah. That's what I that's what I should have gone with. Sorry about that, mate. Um, we'll come back to you, we see Jarman Impey fast becoming part of the fabric of the Hawthorne Footy Club and a real heart and soul player, a bit of a cult figure, I feel like he's really, really developing into this year. His season has been phenomenal into that. And um Saturday afternoon was no different. 26 disposals, 18 and 8, six marks, uh, a tackle. Uh, one behind and one goal, which was a cracker off a couple of steps from outside 50. He went at 81% disposal efficiency, only had the one turnover, had a goal assistance, six score involvements, 534 metres gained and four inside 50s. How did you see him? Yeah, this is probably one of his better games of, of the season and he's having a cracker of a year. Very much, very much underrated. And I think actually the effect of how good a season he's having, we forget in terms of because Josh Weddle, you know, we talk about Josh Weddle and how he's playing and Seamus Mitchell and how he's playing that their guys potentially keeping CJ out and their guys keeping uh, Scrimmer out of the lineup. You know, Scrimshaw we've been talking about the last few weeks. The reality is... Jars is has a spot on the halfback absolutely locked at the moment. The other effect of that that we saw was um, that Lockie Bramble played further up the ground on the wing and was fantastic as well. So um, I don't think I think generally it's been undervalued the importance that he's played, and we know he's always been a larrikin around the place and has a lot of fun and and is part of the fabric and. Um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, it's great to have seen him as the face of, you know, our 
um, our Indigenous campaign through the rounds of the last couple of weeks. So um, it's it's been wonderful and, and Jars has been great. I gave him a seven and a half out of 10. Number five, James Warple, uh, 24 disposals, eight and 16, two marks, four tackles. He went at 75% disposal efficiency. Uh, 11, of, 11 of his possessions were contested. Uh, he had two goal assists and 12 score involvements, which means he was um, pretty much in most of our good work. He had six clearances, two center clearances and four stoppage clearances, four tackles and four inside 50s, and was very underrated but very good Daz. Yeah, I think you've just described Warps' season, very underrated but but very good. And I think the big knock on him is always disposal efficiency, but he gets the ball in such tight areas that I think it's a bit of an unfair stat with Warps. And if he's, if he's hitting around on a 75% disposal efficiency, it's a pretty pretty good game just given where he gets the footy. I think a great example of his his work is in that last quarter, that 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 kick, um, just very instinctive sort of snap that that ended up hitting Bruce, um, who kicked the sealer in the end. I think that's just uh, epitomizes his work and his ability to win the the footy when it matters for us. So he's having a, a cracking season, I reckon. Warps and you know there'll be the doubters and there'll be the people that will say that he's not clean enough and. You know, I, I understand where that's coming from, but he he gets the ball in a, in in tight areas a lot of the time, and um, you know, I th- I think he's I think he's he's really the extractor in that midfield unit, um, and he's and he's winning the footy, and that's all you can ask for, and he's and he's being damaging too. I think that twelve score involvements was the highest on anyone from anyone on the ground, so you can't ask for much more than that. I will ask you for a rating in a second, but what I want to just chime in there with is I think, you know, what you're sort of referring to is Warple's value is not necessarily in how beautifully he uses the ball by foot, but what he allows through doing his role, what he allows other midfielders to do and other midfielders in our team to be. So with Warps getting first hands on it, it allows Will Day to jink through traffic, receive a handball, burst out of a pack and deliver it inside 50, that sort of thing, right? Like he he's a vital component in that Hawthorne midfield, even if he's not a complete and perfect player. Exactly. And, you know, that, that sort of 16 handballs to sort of eight kicks and that sort of ratio just shows you the kind of role that he's playing. And, and that's his job. It's the Tom Mitchell role in a way. Um, and he's he's flourishing with without Tom Mitchell there. So I'm going to give him a, a seven. Now I don't, I don't I'm not sure where to start with this next bloke. James Sicily had one of the best games by an individual I have seen live in my life. He was unbelievable with 43 disposals, 24 kicks, 19 handballs, 16 marks. He went at 91% disposal efficiency. He had um, 22 intercept possessions, um, 11 score involvements, four contested marks out of his 16, 658 meters gained. He had three inside 50s, six rebound 50s. And I mean, I could keep going and keep going, but I just want to give the floor to you, WC. Sum up our skipper. What an incredible game. Yeah, it was 
unbelievable. And and the beauty of it is that the whole football world has been acknowledging it in the 24 hours since. So there's been talks about how um, Darcy Moore the week before the week before played the perfect captain's defenders game better than any that had ever been seen before, and this totally eclipsed that. Uh, and that was acknowledged. Couple of things I want to point out. One is that in the third quarter he only had four touches, so that makes it even more incredible. Um, and one of those was a behind. So from a disposal efficiency point of view, you could get rid of his third quarter and we'd still be looking at just ridiculous numbers. Um, the other thing I'd say, this might sound a little bit silly. So Sammy said it was the best game he's ever coached of anyone ever. So um, obviously I, I agree. I think it's this best game that he's ever played. I don't think it is actually that far off a lot of his other really, really good games that he's played. So yeah, on the stat sheet it is, but when he has 30 and 12 marks, he is having a game where he is just controlling and dominating our defensive line. And when he's doing that, like those numbers are incredible. So yeah, I find that, I find that interesting, but one, one more quick thing. I think that the significance of Sam Frost and James Blank playing in the team as two key big men allow him to do that. And that's huge. Like we cannot be, changing that we have to accept frost for what you know for for some of the issues that he he has when we get to him but absolutely the structure allows him to do that and that is where he plays his best footy Daz, did you have something you wanted to add well i was going to say that he was um just two intercept possessions off the world record of 20 (laughs) of, of 24 by scott thompson over a decade ago so that's how that's how how good he was in that sort of um, you know roaming halfback role, which you know I think he hit the nail on the head in terms of um, Blank and and um, and Sam Frost just just giving him that the freedom to to do what he does best and intercept the footy and and, and launch us into attack. Yeah, and I think um, before we get Weesey's rating, which I'm very interested in, um, but I I think what tipped it over the edge for me, like his last quarter was otherworldly and that's when the game was on the line and, you know, he had 16 disposals in the last quarter. He had six marks in the last quarter. He, he was everywhere, but it wasn't even the disposals that he had. It was also the spoils or the um, smother of the ball, that bouncing ball that was going towards our forward 50 our defensive 50. It was the one percenters that he did in that last quarter that were worth more than two or three disposals each. And he did three or four of them in the last quarter when the game was on the line. And that to me is the type of leadership that you want to see from your captain. And I think it was really, really exciting to see it from Sis this weekend. So I've got goosebumps just listening to you talk about it. Like, 
And the thing that I really love about it, so there was that last minute or minute and a half where he attacked it a couple of times, controlled, ran out of the back line exactly when we needed it. That, like 20 other times throughout the game, like I was literally saying, that is my captain. Like, like you're literally screaming that that is my captain. Like he's leading the team. And especially given, you know, different times throughout the last 10 weeks, there have been question marks over performance and leadership. Like there is no doubt he can be and should be the captain of this football club. And that is why, like, he was absolutely immense. Um, I've never done it. I've actually never done it, but uh, he he absolutely gets a 10 out of 10, that there is nothing he could have done, potentially another 10 possessions in the third quarter, right? But that's ridiculous. There is nothing he could have done to have a better game than, than he had against the Saints. No. Nah. 10 out of 10. Doesn't lose a point for um for getting rubbed out for a week. Oh, that is. I mean, just, he should have. Tackled. Don't even get me stuck. Oh, <laughs> it's hardly touches his back. Don't, don't even, don't even get me started on it. All right, we'll move on to Ned Reeves, um, who I thought was very solid. He his his stats don't jump off the page, but Daz, I know you're going to talk about the impact that he had. Um, seven disposals, two and five. Uh, one of his kicks was after the siren when he got a free kick and he tried to be Malcolm Blight, but kicked the ball about 20 metres up in the air and 20 metres uh, in length. Um, he had one mark very early in the game. It was a contested uh, contested mark. Um, he had 29 hit outs. Um, so he, he, dominate, he was the most dominant tap ruckman on the ground. And we expect that from Ned Reeves because that's his forte. That's his one wood. He had negative 29 metres gained, which um, I haven't seen that before. So that's a fair effort. Um, but was really, really important as part of the ruck duo that took on, as we mentioned in the at the top, uh, an always dominant Rowan Marshall. Rowan Marshall seems to save his best games for Hawthorne. Um, and he wasn't able to do that this week. Does. That's right. And I was happy too that Paddy Ryder wasn't out there either because he always saves his best games for Hawthorne too. But um, yeah, some of Ned Reeves' tap work is absolutely sublime. I, I was watching a lot of it and honing in on 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 it um, on the uh, yesterday, and it was just you know these deft backwards taps, and everyone's reading the ball off his off his hands really well. And I, I think if you watch back the last quarter. It was he was getting he was getting us first use in the clinches, and I think he he's not gonna it's not gonna appear on the stat sheet other than those hit outs. But I think he was really crucial in that last quarter, um, even though the stat sheet will tell you that he you know got got one possession or something like that. So I I I personally just feel like he needs to clunk a few. There are some times when he's just putting his hand straight up in the air and forgetting that maybe he can jump and make himself nine foot seven instead of, you know, the, just the obligatory seven foot. But um, yeah, it, it, it that is the frustrating part of Ned Reeves. You know, he does such incredible work um, as a ruckman and his tap craft is, 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 is just getting better every week. It's just, we need more from him around the ground still. 
Um, and, you know, a lot of that work is left to make. But, you know, what happened to Ned, the Ned Reeves that was slotting goals and taking taking pack marks, um, in, you know, when, when, he, when he broke through? I just, I just want to see more of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the, they're the, obviously the very clear areas of improvement that he'll be looking to work on on the training track over the course of the remainder of the season. And, you know, being able to have Ruckman that impact the scoreboard is incredibly important. And uh, every team's looking for their second ruck or, or even their resting ruck um, to be able to be a, a real target. And we haven't found that yet, I don't think. Um, we're seeing a little bit more from Lloyd Meek, uh, but not as much as I think the the coaches would have hoped for. So um, something to look forward to in the back half of the year, Daz. Um, I didn't Sam give him Frost. a rating. I'm, I'm oh, a... Yeah, you didn't. And I forgot. So okay. It's, it's going to sound harsh, but it's for that reason that I am going to give him a five and a half. He still gets a pass. So that's fine with me. Um, Sam Frost, we see, who wasn't a big fan of that rating, by the way, just, uh, just for those who aren't live on Zoom with us. Um, Sam Frost with 15 disposals, seven kicks and eight handballs, three marks. Um, he went at 67%. He had four turnovers. So there was a little bit of frost ball madness at times. Um, one of the ones that I'm thinking of is when he crashed, I think into Dan Butler, um, absolutely leveled him. Wasn't looking at the ball. Didn't need to do it. Dan Butler dropped the mark. Um, but yeah, just absolutely wiped him out. Um, but played a really important role overall, as Daz mentioned before, and as you mentioned before too, Weesey, in allowing James Sicily to play his game. And that was a, um, in part because of both um, Sam Frost and James Blank. So um, enough of my talking. Can you rate Sam Frost for us on weekend? Yeah, there were more than just there were there were more than just that one moment. There were three or four, and you don't even necessarily vocally go nuts anymore. You just shake your head and go, "Oh my god!" Like there it was. However, is that like is that like the? And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it was no. like it it worked. It actually came off, but the no look over the shoulder handball when he didn't know what was behind him. Are you talking about moments like that? I was very very fortunate and. And do you know what? Like when we lose games, they're going to be magnified, right? So I think what the last couple of weeks has taught us is we're going to lose games when he does that. We're going to win games when he does that. Actually, if we're talking about that development phase, what have we learned? Ash has been harping on about this for weeks. Two key defenders, two ruck, two key forwards. Once we've got that structure, that is going to like help with the rest of the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. In our defensive 50, the last couple of weeks, granted West Coast are West Coast, but we've look, be looked best when we've had that structure and Frost is a key part of that. So, again, starting to make a total shift, it won't, uh, help in the the frustration in the moment around Frost's significance in that structure. You, you can't even question it. And same with James Blank. If Blank has zero touches every week and concedes six goals, but it allows Sicily to do that, then it's not even a question because Sicily is not a one-on-one -on -one key defender 
And the fact that Frost can do that now is significant. So played his role on the weekend um, and that was that was core without being um, being absolutely incredible. I, I gave him a 6 out of 10. Darren, Carl Amon um, absolutely cemented himself um, in this Hawthorne side. Another um, really solid outing, 23 disposals, 15 and 8. He had four marks. He kicked a point. I think he probably should have, if he had that one again, I reckon he kicks it. Um, went at 83%, um, had predominantly uncontested disposals at 20, uh, five score involvements and just a shade under 500 metres gained. A pretty um, overall, pretty good out. Outing is the word I was looking for that my brain paused on. Outing for Carl Amon this weekend. Yeah, it was. And, you know, he's just gelling with this team really nicely now. Would have been a great game for him too, just with his mum there. She's working at St Kilda and there was a beautiful picture of the two of them before the game. And, you know, this, the Saints may have been watching him and thinking what may have been because uh, he was he's, he's a really classy player. And he, some of his delivery into the Ford 50 was, was first class and um, he's gelling really nicely with that forward line. Um, the understanding where he's kicking the ball to, He's switching the ball really nicely. He's just doing everything the wingman should do. He's working hard on on, on defensively. He's a two way runner as well. So, yeah, hard to hard to fault that game from Carl. I thought he was I thought he was great. Um, and I'm going to give him a seven. Yeah, I think Carl Amon's what they hope Brad he would be just quietly. Um, but anyway, that's another that's another conversation for another day. Uh, everyone's favorite Irishman, Conan Nash. 27 disposals. He's just keeping this run of um, above 25 disposal games going game after game after game. He had 27 this week, 10 and 17, um, four marks, five tackles, kicked a point. Um, Interestingly, he only had three contested disposals or contested possessions, which I feel like is a slightly different game from Connor this week. Um, He had 290 metres gained, five tackles, only the one clearance, no center clearances, only one stoppage clearance and four inside fifties. We see your thoughts on Connor Nash this week. I love Connor Nash. I actually really, really love watching him play. And that is probably, um, I mean, the whole midfield unit at the moment, he's just part of and, Daz is fortunate enough to get Will Day next, right? But um, thinking about some of the linking play between Nash and Day, there was that one passage, the Day to Nash to Day, you know, and being part of that chain, which was unbelievable out of the middle, didn't get the contested possession, um, but obviously a key component of what we were doing. So those numbers are incredible. He hasn't had numbers like that as an uncontested game in a very long time. You think of moments moments in the game for Nash that you think about. There was another spear tackle out on the far wing. Um, there was the mark he took where the player came and tried to bump him and he literally just... One of my favourite moments of the game. That oh, was phenomenal. Took the mark, bumped him, and then just turned around and kept running. And it's like, this guy is just a tank. 
like he's just a unit and yeah. um i just i just love what he's doing i think he's 20 over the last seven games averaging 28 possessions and over six tackles a game and um yeah as part of the midfield unit he's just an incredible footballer to watch so i'm very excited by him i thought it was a great game i gave him nine out of ten hard act to follow darren um will day uh hawks insider zone friend of the show uh, all of those things. Will Day was, again, very, very good. He had 30 disposals. He split at 50-50, um, five marks and four tackles. He was a little untidy by foot. He went at 67% disposal efficiency. Um, and with that was eight turnovers. And I think that that's a clear um, area of his game that he would want to improve for a guy who's so silky and so skillful. Um just bombing it or rushing it a little bit um, by foot. Sometimes he had 11 score involvements. So just under James Warple's 12, he's the next best. Um, almost 600 meters gained. He had seven inside fifties and four tackles and was everywhere and classy when he got it does. Yeah. And I guess what more needs to be said about Will Day that hasn't been said already. Um, I just love the, the connection as we, she said that he's, forming with the likes of Nash and Warpool and they're just they're just in sync at the moment and you just hope that they get a, a decent run at it over the next few weeks to properly gel as as a unit. Um it wasn't it wasn't his cleanest game and especially by foot as you mentioned. So I think um while he while he continues on his great form, I don't I think he'd he'd be reviewing that tape and he sets a really high standard for himself and would probably um, you know, not not rank that as one of his better games of the year. But um, again, you know, this it's it's, it's a pretty impressive uh, body of stats. So um, I'm going to give him a six and a half because I just think he he probably could have used it a bit better by foot that game. I really do. You guys, uh, are, I, oh, you're all grimacing, but um, yeah, I, you know. Mate, you're you're here paid to to make the rating, so I'm not going to debate it with you. But I feel like Andrew Weese is go Weese. No, I don't have to debate it. I mean, it's Daz's, you know, Daz's floor for a rating. But you know what I did love from Will that you get to see more and more often is when he's got the ball in a centre contest, and it just looks like he's going to run into trouble. And normally, for any other footballer, you're thinking get rid of it. He just turns 45 degrees or 90 degrees and just slices in another direction and then is about to get in trouble and does it again, like takes a step back. So he can, he can, before he disposes of it in his 10 steps, have gone in three different directions, but then just slices away out of a pack. And it is, it is, it is a thing of beauty to watch. He's just got time. Yeah, he's extremely evasive, and I, I don't know if there are too many players in the competition that can that can do that. That's uh, Marcus Bontempelli like. I'm just going to put that on mm -hmm. the table. That that's the same movement or flow of movement that Bont gives the Bulldogs, and it's a game changer when he uses when he starts to use the ball more effectively going into the forward fifty after cutting up the pack the way he does. Dare, dare I say, James Heard. Oh, that's a good one. 
Pre-coaching James Hurd, sure. <laughs> like, Was he a player? Hurd in the middle of the ground had as much time to do whatever he wanted and was just so smooth, so dominant. Uh, he's just, that he reminds me a lot of him. I've, I've never heard the Hurd comparison before, but I, I think it's pretty spot on. Just body shape as well. And um, if, you know, if he has the kind of career that James Hurd has, we'd, we'd be pretty happy playing career. Definitely. I I want to segue into the next bloke by talking about the passion that Will Day and Dylan Moore and others show for the club that they love, for their teammates and for, you know, their, you know, the brown and gold. Um, If you, if you watch closely in the last couple of minutes of, of Saturday afternoon's game, there were multiple occasions where either Will Day or Dylan Moore ran up to a teammate after a one percenter and gave him a pat on the back and double fisted and, you know, just showed that real, like that feeling that us supporters feel when, when these guys do what they do. So um, just, just uh, and and Will Day came out with it in his in his Instagram post, um, you know his, his James Himmelly um, Instagram post, and um, the Hawks Insiders Twitter account captured that perfectly. Um, but that passion that these guys have um, is just, I mean, I could like hook that into my veins, right? Like I could watch that all day, and I know all of our listeners feel exactly the same. Uh, Andrew Weiss, Dylan Moore, Dylan Moore is back. Dylan Moore is back and he loves a late fourth quarter red time goal. 31 disposals, uh, 19 kicks, 12 handballs, nine marks, two tackles, one goal, three. So he wasn't as accurate as we would have liked. If he'd kicked four goals and he had the 31 touches, he's, he might be rivaling James Sicily. Uh, he had two goal assists, nine score involvements, um, two marks inside 50, almost 500 metres gained, five inside 50s himself, and two clearances, Andrew East, because he played a lot more around the ball this week than he has all year. Your thoughts on Dylan Moore's game, and welcome back, Dylan Moore. Yeah, well, while I talk about Dylan Moore, I don't know if either of you have his fourth quarter stats or have them readily available, but uh, there's probably a couple of elements to Moore's game to discuss. One is one goal three plus an on the full plus I think one that maybe went across the face and stayed in play. So, and snaps like Dylan Moore snaps that he should be kicking as well. He, um, one of them was the over the top, maybe to Bruce and he played it perfectly, but then, uh, crapped himself at the last moment, took the shot, and that might have been the. Uh, I think that ended up being a check side point. But so to three quarter time, he should already have had two or three or four goals. Um, then in the last quarter, uh, you got them there, Princey. Yeah, he had ten in the last quarter, uh, five kicks um, and five handballs. He kicked his goal in the last quarter. Obviously, um, he had a goal assist in the last quarter as well. So. Um, I think he was the one that hit up Cozzy for his um, his kick at goal. So uh, he was he was all over the he was everywhere in that last quarter. Yeah, and that goal. I mean, the goal that he kicked 
they were very similar to all of the ones that he missed. So from a vice captaincy leadership point of view, not only did he step up by dominating in the last quarter, he backed himself to kick kick that again. Uh, hopefully, I mean, looked like he might almost have been out of bounds when he played on, uh, which is an interesting one. I don't think it's really been brought up, but um, came back round, brilliant finish. It was, you know, we talk about Sis playing the captain's game. He played the vice captain's game, especially in that last quarter. And as you just said, Prinzia was welcome back as a reward for hard effort. He's been slogging away all season. And, yeah, um, not much more to say. I gave him a 9 out of 10. Blake Hardwick had 17 disposals, 10 and 7, 6 marks, 3 tackles. He went at 82%. He did not have a turnover. Um, He had two score involvements. He took a nice contested mark out of his uh, 6 marks. 265 metres gained and um, six rebound 50s and only two kick-ins this week, Daz. So his stats were well-earned stats as opposed to, you know, getting the stat just for taking a kick-in. Your thoughts on Blake Hardwick? I thought he was one of the unsung heroes of that game. And I think he is just such... We just don't notice him because he just does it week in, week out with just consistency and he's been doing it for years now. Um, Gresham and Higgins kicked zero between them. Higgins had has had 22 for the year. So to keep Higgins quiet, um, you know, he's 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 one of the one of the, the best lockdown defenders in the game, small lockdown defenders in the game, surely. Um, you know, and he's 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 I think Derm on the commentary is talking about his body and, and and how how difficult he's so strong that it is quite he's he's a really difficult matchup, um, and as a as a as a defender as someone that also you know launched us out of the out of the half back line um, and set up attacks as well. I thought it was I thought it was a really underrated game from Blake Hardwick um, as usual. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give him a seven and a half. I thought he was brilliant. Very Being really harsh on these ratings today. No, look, I think that was probably more in line. I just, it's interesting <laughs> when you reflect back on Will Day just a couple of player votes ago, we got six and a half for his 30 disposals. Wow. But hey, hey, each of their own does. I'm just here. Dylan, Moore, Dylan Moore getting nine out of 10 for um, being so inefficient in front of goal. I, know, I understand that he. Uh, Hopefully, uh, hopefully Daz, Daz gets cozy and we can see how he rates him next to Will Day. Let's just wait and see when we get there. We've got to get through Lockie Bramble first, Andrew Weiss, and you have been advocating for Lockie Bramble in our WhatsApp group over the course of today. Um, and he was very good this weekend, 23 disposals, um, 12 and 11, five marks, two tackles, 87% disposal efficiency. He had 16 con- uncontested disposals, used it really well when he got it. Five score involvements. He did take a contested mark, 440 metres gained, um, three rebound 50s, one inside 50, and just an overall really solid game. And that's the bramble that they that they wanted. Yeah, I, I don't know that we've seen enough to go. He's a lock in our next premiership team. What he is, is a very decent footballer 
that he's going to be a really good squad player. So somewhere in number numbers 13 or 14 in that list through to 25 to 30 on that list, he's going to slot in. And depending on who you're playing against and form, you know, will dictate. He's not necessarily a lock at the moment. But what what he was able to do was move up onto more of a wing-based role, which suits him. Um, He had four bounces, which was the most of anyone on the ground, which, again, probably, you know, just also justifies the fact that he had that role. First half, don't get me wrong, he had two or three really poor fumbles. He, He wasn't playing with the footy and you're just starting to think about whether it's all a bit much, but the second half... He was really, really good, and um, I was going to give him a 7 out of 10, but I'm going to bring that to a 6.45 out of 10 based on Daz's Will Day rating. Let's set the new benchmark. We're going to rate against that for the rest of the night. I love how precise we're getting with our ratings too. A, 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 a 6.45. Yeah. It's a real finite, these ratings. We, scientifically <laughs> um, measured. We went from last week giving Mitch Lewis 11 out of 10 to this week giving Lockie Bramble 6.45 out of 10. That's, that's what the punters are here for. Lloyd Meek, number 17, 11 disposals, 2 and 9. That's my kind of Ruckman breakdown in disposals. Nine handballs and two kicks. Five marks, four tackles, um, a couple of big hits as well. Uh, he had no turnovers. He had a goal assist and six score involvements. He had 13 hit outs, a whopping 48 meters gained. And overall, a pretty good outing for Lloyd Meek Darren. Meek by name, but not by nature anymore. Someone he someone has given him the angry pills over the past few weeks because he's 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 toughened up a lot and he's 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 really giving giving it to the other ruckman he's using his big frame he's being that sort of bullocking player that you know he's 110 kegs or something so he should be throwing his body around and he's doing doing that really well but he's also super skillful and, and that assist um i think it was to sam butler it was a, a beautiful turn and a hand pass and that led to the go- a goal in the third quarter. So um, I'm I'm really loving the, that ruck duo, the the way they balance each other out, um, and I think they're developing really nicely. A very very promising young ruck duo um, f- for once. So yeah, it was, it was a pretty good game. So I'm going to give him a six and a half. Fantastic, Luke Bruce. One goal away now from 500. I was desperately hoping we could get him to 500 on the weekend. He had 11 disposals, eight and three, five marks, three tackles. He kicked three goals too. So he had his opportunities to get to the 500. Um, And I reckon he had three goals too and one that didn't make the distance too, Andrew, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, He had a goal assist as well as seven score involvements. He took one contested mark out of his five. And I think this was the kind of Luke Bruce that we just want to see week in, week out for the rest of the year. Is that fair to say, Weezy? Yeah. Uh, I think in our WhatsApp group during the game, uh, I, I might've gone early because I was getting pretty excited early, but said, like, this is exactly what we need from him. We need leadership. We need some certainty up forward. 
He's kicked his three goals, so he's on 18 for the year. He's going to get 30 goals for the year again in a forward line that hasn't been functioning. If he's kicking 30 with Mitch kicking a minimum of 40 this year, but, you know, 50 or 60 when he plays a full season, I think it's an absolute given. So for me, Bruce plays every game this year. Bruce plays every game next year. Hopefully towards the end of the year, there's the potential to be going, all right, the Butlers, the Brockies, there's too many of them playing too much good football to go, all right, come 2025, there isn't a spot for Bruce in the team. Um, so thought he did really well. Sorry, sorry, cheeky little suggestion that this would be the good week to rest him so that he could maybe kick goal number 500 on the MCG against Brisbane uh, in front of Jack Gunston the week after. Um, but he got really good accolades from Sam Mitchell in his press conference as well. Um, and yeah, this is exactly what we want from him. I gave him a six out of 10. Jacob Kaczynski, Darren Levine. Um, I think before this game, you and I might've been the only ones left on Kaczynski Island. Uh, now it's feeling very crowded. Uh, feels a bit like a phone booth. He had 10 disposals. He had five kicks, five handballs, six marks, two tackles, kicked one goal, two. Um, he had six of his 10 disposals were contested. Um, he had six score involvements. He took six marks. Three of his six marks were contested. Um, he presented really well. He took four marks inside 50. And forget the rest. The most important one was when the game was on the line, because he took a good mark, went back from 45 and slotted it after being 0-2 so far in the day. Daz, is this the week or was that the moment that resurrects Jacob's Kaczynski season and potentially his career? I think for sure. I think I think that is a career-turning point moment for Kozzi. Um, We've spoken a lot about him being a huge confidence player and um, you could just tell from that first set shot, he's just lacking a bit of it at the moment. And I just did not see that that goal coming out. As much of a cosy apologist that I've been over the past few weeks, and I do think there's a player there, he's super young still. And he he's, as Weezy said, playing so much better with Mitchell Lewis in the side. I just did not see that that goal coming. I thought, it, I, I thought he would have shanked it. Um, I thought the pressure would have got to him. He would have shanked it. But my boy delivered when it mattered. And I think it's gonna it's gonna be a real turning point for him to show that he belongs and the way that he celebrated that goal. I could have shed a tear. I was the I double was really, cobra. Oh, uh, the double cobra. I was wrapped for him. I think it was a wonderful moment. And and you know, and against his his uh cousins, his cousin's old side as well. So um yeah, it's <laughs> this is when the the Will Day 6.5 really comes back to haunt me now because <laughs> I can't. I can't give Cozzy anywhere near that, can I? So uh, I'm going to give him a 5.7 for kicking that clutch goal. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Can can I just maybe put it out there before you give him an actual rating? Can we agree, maybe as a group, that Daz can re-rate Will Day, and then you can give Cozzy the rating that you think he should get. 
Uh, I'm for it, Frenzy. Hey, I'm I'm a wheel day apologist. So yeah, anything that helps my boy. What, That's what? if Darren wants to. He may be he may be standing firm on his rating. What say you, Daz? Oh, I'm comfy with it. I'm comfy with it. Doubling down. <laughs> Heading um, hands for Andrew Weiss in the corner. You know, if, if if I was rating uh, rating everyone in a in a in a way that was pleasing for everyone, then we wouldn't get any any Twitter outrage. So. Um, I'm going to leave it there and you can Respect. let me know in the comments how you feel about it. But I think going back to Cozzy, you know, it's been a tough year for him and I'm just wrapped that he had that moment. And not just that, he did compete well through the whole game. He makes Mitch Lewis better as well. You know, he he allows Mitch Lewis to 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 have the space. Um, he's the, the foil to, to Mitch Lewis. He's bringing others into the game, bringing the small forwards into the game. So I just want us to continue with this forward line because it's looking very functional finally at the moment. So yeah, just would love to see that forward line gel for the next few weeks. Kudos to Kaczynski and uh, kudos to the Hawks Insiders version of Kane Corns, Darren Levine for his outlandish statements. Um, Cam McKenzie, uh, our young Hawk, former St. Kilda Next Generation Academy prospect, coming back to get a win against his old side. Five kicks, nine handballs, a tackle, a 93% disposal efficiency, um, one goal assist, four score involvements. Not a huge game, Andrew Weiss, but still some really important and exciting moments from Cam McKenzie this week. Very much so. Also registered 19 pressure acts, which behind James Warple was our equal, well, second most for the team on the day. So um, played his role, obviously nowhere near as significant as the other three or four um, main mids we've we've already sort of talked about. Um, but gee, you just love to see him in in amongst it don't you and what he's doing what he's doing at this age like you just the mind boggles as to how good he could be um one thing that um Hayden my mate that I uh go to the footy with does um which I'll be interested to hear your thought Prinzi is he compares him to Josh Ward he compares him to Josh Ward a lot and goes um, I don't know if this is a sign of being more worried about Josh Ward or more excited about how good McKenzie could be because what he's done in the few games that he's played um, inside is outstanding and he is a player. So, I mean, it wasn't a, a monster game. As I said, I, I gave him a five and a half out of 10, but it's more about getting that game of experience, the the promise that he shows and just another game under the belt, a big win with the group under the belt. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried about Josh Lloyd first, uh, Josh Ward. don't even know who Josh Lloyd is, but uh, Josh Ward. Um, I, I would say my argument against that to you, mate, Hayden would be um, Hayden. Cam McKenzie hasn't had a game like Josh Ward's breakout game um, late last year where he had over 30 disposals. Uh, he hasn't shown us that ceiling yet, which is fine. I'm not expecting him to. Um, but, and and also Cam McKenzie hasn't had to 
hasn't had to battle with some of the niggles and the injuries that Josh Ward has that's interrupted his flow of games. So that that's probably the the, the counterpoints that that I would make to that. But um, I understand what where his like logic and train of thought is around around that. I, there are some fantastic signs from all of our young mids. Um, uh, Connor McDonald included, who last week we saw in the middle of the ground for the first time, and this week did some really good stuff through the middle as well. So, um, and and most of them haven't had either a fair crack in their preferred position or just a fair crack because their body hasn't let them yet. So, um, patience is going to be a virtue, and this midfield unit, um, Brad has been tweeting relentlessly about it um, since Saturday. But he's absolutely right. Um, this midfield unit looks scarily exciting for the Hawks and it hasn't been since I would say Hodge Mitchell Burgoyne Lewis and co where we've had a midfield that's been able to do what our young all under 25 years old and predominantly all under 22 years old midfield has been able to do in the first half of this season so that's incredibly exciting to look forward to and so I'm totally with you on it they're so young and they're so fresh and they're so early in their career, there is nothing to worry about. But the word, I, I mean, it's so dynamic. Yeah. That midfield group. There's no vanilla there, right? Dynamic, no vanilla. And there are no clones. Like no. they are all They all offer something different. different. Yep. That's very exciting. It's so exciting. Um, and we could have our own podcast just speaking on this midfield group. In fact, we might do. Um, but we'll move on because um, Ash will start. He'll probably phone in soon to tell us to get a, get a wriggle on. Um, Sam Butler uh, at one stage was looking like he was going to be the one that had a sub. He had five disposal to, disposals to half time. Um, came alive in the second half and had 10 for the half and finished with 15. He had three kicks and 12 handballs, four marks. He kicked a goal. He went at 80% disposal efficiency. He had a goal assist to go with his goal. His goal assist, I believe, was to Brockman. Uh, yeah, I think it was to Brocky. And he had seven score involvements. Um was an absolute nuisance and got one up on his brother, Daz. Um, Sam Butler just continues without having a breakout game yet to show that he belongs at the level. Yeah, and you, and you feel that breakout game's not far off with Sam Butler. You just feel like he's going to, you know, kick kick four or, or kick a bag anytime soon, and it's coming. Um, and he's, he's a mercurial player. I think he's always going to be a mercurial player. But as long as he's doing, you know, the right things in terms of, you know, those good pressure act numbers, the forward pressure, keeping them hemmed in in their own defensive half, which is what they were doing really well, that 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 forward unit, um, he's, you know, he's going to stay in the team. And I'm, I'm, I'm really wrapped with his progress and, and the fact that he's gone back to Box Hill, did all the right things and, 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 and he's now back, back in the team and he, and he belongs in the team. Um, I liked his goal. I thought it was a real opportunist goal. Um, and and that's what you get from Sam Butler. And he's he's one of those nuisancey kind of Tom Papley-esque characters. Maybe not as as uh obnoxious as Papley, but you need them in your forward line. You you, you need that 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 nuggety nuisancey kind of player um to upset the opposition. So We've got it in Sam Butler and yeah, I'm, I just love watching him every week. 
Yeah, he plays with that niggle, um, but also the spunk uh, and that confidence that you want with your small forwards. And I, I think Richmond built a premiership team around having about 73 of them in their team every week. You know, those fast, nippy, tackling, goal-kicking small forwards, they're, they're super important in modern football. So um, the more, the merrier. Um, and, you know, being able to do the defensive work helps too. Uh, Connor McDonald this and week. Was there a rating? Oh, there wasn't. There wasn't a rating because, again, the the Will Day rating stripping me up a bit. Well, I'm not going to let you get away with not giving ratings now <laughs> oh, for your I'm players. Give another another five point seven um, for Sammy. These five point sevens, they'll be the death of me. Connor McDonald, the Hawks tactical sub this week. Um, not the same level of possessions as last week, but. Um, an incredible amount of impact in a small period of time. Uh, was subbed on for Tyler Brockman, kicked a goal, had five disposals, um, went at 100%, uh, had a couple of contested, a couple of uncontested, three score involvements, um, a contested mark, which was the one that he kicked the goal for. He sort of pulled it out of the St. Kilda bloke's hand. Um, and also, I think it was Amon's kick into Will Day, onto Connor McDonald, which set up one of our um, passages of play, which led to a goal. Um, I'm tipping that would have been one of his score involvements um, late in the game as well. Uh, Andrew Weiss, um, Connor McDonald's a favorite of yours. How did you think he went for the small part of the game that he was on? Yeah, I don't think there's really too much to say other than, um, uh, you, as you mentioned, Five disposals, three score involvements in that last quarter. Significant impact. I think he had one in the third quarter. So four of his touches in the last three score involvements kicked the goal. Uh, that kick to him, by the way, uh, it's remiss of me not to have mentioned Connor Nash, the, the delivery into him inside 50 and, and the knock that has been on Nash's kicking. Uh, was an incredible kick, incredible mark as well. So played his role. Um, yeah, I, I obviously am one that is advocating for him to get a start. So we'll see what happens against Port. Um, he gets a pass, five out of 10. Who does he come in for if he gets a start against Port, Andrew? It's a very, very good question. Um, I'm supposed to have an answer for that, right? Every time you make a comment like that, you've got to actually have the solution. Obviously, we're potentially going to lose Sis. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see who comes in, whether that's the opportunity for uh, Screamer to get back in, uh, given, given the similarity in roles. It could potentially be a rotation Point of view, like Cam McKenzie starting as the sub. Um, yeah, leave that to wiser heads than me, but would just like to see him get a full game. We're calling Brad Klebanski wiser heads than you. That's uh, that's a new one. I'll make sure he hears this. Um, Tyler Brockman um, subbed out in the third quarter, um, did kick a, a really nice goal. He ran and kicked it with his left foot, despite being a right footer, which I found, I don't know, just, just strange but interesting. Um, Eight disposals, five kicks, three handballs, four marks. Went at a hundred percent disposal efficiency. Um, had four score involvements. Um, two of his marks were inside fifty, and he had two inside fifties 
of his own. Uh, a bit more subdued Tyler Brockman this week, Daz, but still um, played an important role and kicked an important goal. Yeah, he did. Um, I think he got poked in the eye at some point, which which may have upset his game. Um, you, you boys probably didn't see it on the ground, but it was on, on the coverage and he, he may make way next week. I saw him sitting on the bench looking a bit sort of dejected and his eye was a bit puffy. So I think that happened um, quite early on in the game. It may have upset him. But um, yeah, you know, it was a pretty subdued game for him. One thing I absolutely love about Brocky is um, Sam Mitchell was being interviewed by SEN and he said that Brocky's always asking where his pressure acts at. Um, He's jumping on the phone and that's the first thing you ask. And that just speaks volumes of, of, of him as a player, really. Not really caring about how many possessions he has or other stat lines, but how how much pressure he's putting on. Um, it wasn't a lot of pressure acts this week, unfortunately, for, for Brocky. Uh, which is not, I mean, it's not it's not bad, but um, you know, when his counterpart, Sam Butler, um, you know, was pushing towards 20 and, and granted Butler played more of the game, I think. Yeah, it, it it's it's really all all you ask of Brocky each week, putting pressure on and um just he, he has a knack for a pretty sublime and, um, you know, sub, subdued finishes. He just does things very laconically and um, it's it's a pleasure to watch it, watch at times. But yeah, I didn't think he had, didn't think he had one of his most damaging games. So I'm going to give him a five. He is that, he's one of those players where you feel like he could like jump on somebody's head or kick goal of the year or something like that at any given time though, isn't he? He's got that, um that real X factor about him. He does, but he looks like he's not even trying half the time. That's, that's the crazy Shades, shades of it. Mark War, Andrew Weiss, in the way that he goes about it. Um, James Blank, um, everybody's favourite Everton fan. Uh, four disposals, one kick, three handballs, one mark, uh, one great intercept mark and then play on at the end of the quarter, which was so disappointing because that was just a run and gun and it was uh, very exciting. Um, he played almost all of the game, um, had 74 metres gained um, and performed admirably on a almost at one stage rampaging Max Lynch and helped subdue him in the second King. half, Andrew. Max King. Um, what did I say? Max you, Lynch. You said Max Lynch. That's okay. And I'd Apologies, like to Max also Lynch. put on record that Daz is my favourite Everton fan, but that that's... Yeah, me too. Maybe not okay. tomorrow. Maybe I'll have to um, pick a new team. You know what? Like, I think what's really important, we talked about the structure before and how critical he is to have the extra big body against the big forward. Max King took three marks for the game. He only touched it 10 times. Yes, he kicked four goals. I'm pretty sure... Three of them were from freeze. There was the double 50 with the flop, flop the flop, flop, flop. Um, and that's unfortunate. Like, what can you do? Like I said earlier, if Blank has minimal touches and his opponent kicks six, but it allows for the likes of Weddle to run off a halfback flank, Sicily to be playing that intercepting role, Seamus to be able to have that daring dash and run outside. It changes the defensive structure. And he he's, at the moment, him and Frost are critical almost because there's no one else to play in those roles, right? 
So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, like, I would like to see Denver Grangebarass play, but... Yeah, but also, yeah. Uh, yes, except that, I mean, he hasn't yet been earmarked for a one-on-one key defensive role. He's actually, he's almost that perfect replacement for Sis because at this point we see him as being that third in, right? I want to see him grow into our bulking centre-half back. Great. But because of his body shape and his natural leap, he's more of that um, third player in. So, yeah, at the moment, it's blank and it's frost. Like, they're the two. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it necessarily, as long as he's not uh, Zach Dawson, uh, Anthony Rocker ragdolled, which he won't be, uh, no issues. And I said at the start of the year, he's the one guy I didn't think we could get, we could drop that he had to play every week for the fact that he's who we've got and identified as our next key fullback. So I thought he did pretty well. I gave him a six out of 10. Josh Weddle does um, had the 19 disposals, started like a house on fire, had seven in the first quarter um, and then finished really strong with seven in the last. Um, had 19, five kicks, 14 handballs, four marks, 95% disposal efficiency, one goal assist. That was the one to Jars. Um, five score involvements. He had 182 metres gained, two inside 50s, two rebound 50s. I think the thing I liked most about Josh Weddle's game, and I'm hoping you'll agree with me, um, is the dash and the willingness to show the confidence to take on either the player or the space and not just play conservative football. Yeah, I felt the same way. And, you know, he's a player that trusts his body and he knows what his body is capable of and he knows that he can burst out of situations that a lot of other players would get caught with a footy or, you know, struggle to, to, to find a way out. And it's, it's, it's great to watch. It really is. And you talk about Will Day being evasive. Weddle can just get out, get out of pretty much any situation with his frame and with his burst of speed and with his athletic ability. Um, So my goodness, he's going to be some player like, I mean, just look at his physical development right he's now. A, he's huge, isn't he? He's huge. You know, and Ash was talking about his his dad being an absolute quote-unquote brute of a man. Um, and I think I think he's probably still growing, Josh Weddle, which, um, you know, and, and then you start wondering where he's going to finish his career or where he's going to play his career. I think he can just about play anywhere. He'll probably have a stint in the forward line at, at some stage or... You run through the midfield, play on a wing, play in the back line. You could probably play on their on their, you know, as 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 a key back. So and I, and I know that he's done that at junior level. So um, you know, it's not as good a game as his breakout um rising star nominated game, but it's it was a really, really especially that last quarter, I thought he was brilliant too. So um I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a six. It was a really good game again. Final player on the list for this week. Um, and I get excited every time we get to talk about Seamus Mitchell. 
20 disposals, split it down the middle, 10 and 10. He had five marks, two tackles, went at 85% by foot, um, 85% disposal efficiency, um, had four score involvements, um, and had three inside 50s, three rebound 50s, a uh, couple of one percenters, and was, I think, is just building a career, we see. Yeah, the 85% disposal efficiency, I think, is absolutely significant because some of the losses earlier in the year, a lot of the frustrations were around the basic skill errors. Coming out of the back line. Really poor execution out of the back line. And when he's got it, you've got full confidence that he's going to use it. Um, I, I would have, I haven't looked at his stats, but I would have said, if you'd said, what would it be? I would have said it somewhere between 80 and 90. Like you just back him. The only knock on this game was great to see him running inside 50 and everyone was getting behind him. I think, what did he get to about 48 or 47, but then couldn't make the distance, Um, which was a shame. That was really sad because you were like, go, you've got space. And he did. So, I mean, that was really heartening that he'd assessed and went, I'm in, um, didn't make the distance. But, yeah, in terms of fitting seamlessly into um, that back, back six, he's been wonderful. So I gave him a 6.473 out of 10 just because he wasn't quite up to Will Day's standard. No, I, I and I think that's... um. A perfect way to wrap up this pod, to be honest, from a ratings perspective. Um, gentlemen, I do want to, before we do go, I want to get your thoughts on Sam Mitchell out coaching Ross the boss. Um, Daz, can I start with you? Um, how did you rate Sam Mitchell's game as coach? Well, I'm just, I'm one of those people who just, I'm not that happy about Ross Lyon being back uh, coaching. I just, the, the footy that they just play such a boring brand of footy St Kilda yeah, like I just, oh god they are just, like imagine watching that every week and you know we, we were we had dash we we were taking the game on um I think Mitchell just out, out coached Ross the boss perfectly they've they've been playing really really well and you know they're they're a the team that's chasing finals and um he just he just figured it all out and figured who was, you know, their, their midfield unit of steel and some of these players and Sinclair had a, had a pretty nothing game as well. And he's been one of the best players in the comp over the, the, the past few weeks. So yeah, I think he just made all the right moves and um, yeah, completely out coached him. So we, we should have won that game by five, five, six goals. Andrew Ace. Yeah, for fear of the time and Ash never allowing us onto a pod again, although we're just going to have to push the hell out of this on socials, get record numbers and say the system works. You know what? There's one thing that I saw that really, really excited me. So we went from Clarko's cluster and that system and structure that was unreal in terms of everyone playing their role in a zone that obviously West Coast through the web started using and you even saw it through what Richmond did. In the second quarter, 
that full zone where we had everyone in lines all the way down the field and everyone playing their part. And when a ball was chipped, they just moved into position perfectly. We basically choked them. Like they had absolutely no answer for it. And obviously we had the bag kicking. They lucked into those last couple of goals right at the end of the quarter. But that zone that we played, like we strangled them and absolutely dominated them. And that caused so much pressure. Just watching that was, you know, when we're doing that for four quarters against good teams, once everyone knows exactly what they're doing, that was bloody exciting. So that's a huge tick in terms of, again, what they're trying to in- implement from a game plan point of view. Um, and, you, and you know Sam Mitchell's coaching well when you hear a comment, and I'd love to hear uh, from you boys on, on who actually said this, but I really admire what they're building under criticism and we've all been involved in that. And what we saw, the off-season changes that they made, but Sam Mitchell is a genius. So this is my band. this is my mate this is my mate Kane Corns. It is and and I'm gonna actually because I actually really like Kane Corns, but I'm gonna go into bat from it for him. He has been nailed on, spot on with the Hawks for the last five years. He called us out when he thought we were going nowhere with a list that wasn't going to be able to make it. He did have some serious question marks about stripping it back too deep. I think we all did a little bit before the season started. We thought, how's this going to work? It's worked perfectly. He's given us his fl- our flowers. There are media members that could learn a lot from the way that Kane Corns has reflected on this Hawthorne journey to date. And I hope that the Hawks continue to give these sorts of accounts of themselves, rack up a few more wins. I don't even care about the draft pick anymore. Give us pick six, pick seven, whatever will turn him into a good player. Let's get seven, eight wins, whatever, for the rest of the year, because I think we can, you know, piggyback off the really solid foundation we've set this year and take a big leap between now and the end of 2024. Now, Kane Corns has been on top of that, and he has rated Sam Mitchell incredibly highly from day one, and credit where it's due, he's jumped on on the back of this performance and he's gone well done, Hawks. And that's all you want to see, right? From a media member, that's all you want to see. Spot on. Someone actually said to me, have you even looked at the ladder to see actually if you take into account the Giants and the the Crows games, like we're in finals contention? And I go, it totally doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, yes, we could have won them. Yes, we can play in a final. Like we are three and eleven, and this has three been, uh, sorry, three and eight through eleven. Yeah, and this has been one of the most enjoyable first halves of the season. Like I can, I can remember, and we're we're three and eight. Yeah, there was a couple of not so enjoyable games in the middle of there. Of course, but I you're took still my kids to taking... one of them at the start of the season. You're still taking positives out of it, and if Absolutely. not for that. And having the, the understanding that if not for that, then in certain situations that we've been in where we've got one games in the last couple of weeks that you've learned from it, that's all part of the journey. Um, and so I'd be happy to not win 
not not win another game, but win another one or two games, I'd be happy to win another five or six games. It actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we would have won that GWS game. It doesn't matter if we get close and lose to Port. Like the journey is happening and uh, like it, the strength of this redevelopment, like it's getting stronger and stronger every week. That's what's really exciting me. Yeah, and Port Port in, in Adelaide, they're our bunnies anyway. Um, so next week's a walk in the park. Let's leave it there. We'll wrap it up there. Um, it has been a fantastic, I don't know, maybe like an hour and 25 minutes with you guys. Um, thank you so much to Andrew East, to Darren Levine for their phenomenal inputs and their kind of all over the shop ratings this week. Um, we know that the player ratings pod is not really about the ratings. Darren tells us that all the time. Uh, and I'm going with that now. It's more about the chat and the debrief after a game. And it's even better when it's after an incredible win. Um, the Hawks were phenomenal um, in parts and late in that court, in that game against the Saints. Um, they gave us all uh, moments of joy to take away from this weekend and they head into round 12 versus Port Adelaide with uh, a fair bit of confidence and absolutely nothing to lose as Weesey talked about just before. So um, thank you so much to everybody who listens to this podcast. Um, jump on, give us a like, give us a rating, give us a review. Um, if you want to subscribe, we will not turn you away. Um, $5 a month, $50 for the year. Um, we have plenty, plenty more coming. Uh, we're in touch with the club about some conversations with some players, some officials, um, and we're really, really keen to continue to provide you uh, with quality content, both paid and unpaid. Um, but we're really ramping up our paid um, content for the subscribers of the Hawks Insiders. So please jump in and subscribe. Until next time, Thursday night, safe space this week, post mid-season draft. So there'll be plenty to talk about. Hopefully other than that, it will be a pretty quiet week for the Hawks. It would be nice after multiple multiple very very uh busy weeks so um we will see you on thursday night for the safe space uh, thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you next time thanks so much for listening to hawks insiders head to our Substack for more quality analysis special features news interviews and so much more